Yeah, I'm Jim Nolan. I'm a private investigator working for my dad's firm in Boston. Perhaps you've heard of dad, Albert Nolan. A lot of his cases were written up in PI Magazine. He and Gladys, that's my mother, have been running this office since I was in high school. Now dad is missing. He hasn't returned from investigating the Laurel case up in Maine. I've come back to work with mom until he returns. He will return. I will find him. It's only a matter of time. Misfits Audio is proud to present Jim Nolan, Private Eye. Episode 5 is entitled, The Brave Taylor. Jim, Jim, where are you? Calm down, sir. Jim Nolan, help me, Jim. Sir, we want to help you. But you'll have to. What in the devil? Jean. I'm sorry he barged right in. I couldn't stop him. Jean, you have to help me. There's big trouble. Please. I'll help you, Antonio. Just calm down. You know him? Sure I do. This is my tailor, Antonio Pinelli. You have a tailor? Of course I have a... Jean! Oh, okay, Tony. Here. Here, sit down. How about some coffee, huh? Would you like that? It'll calm your nerves. If you say so. Trude, a cup of coffee, please? Right away. You've got to help me. I will, but you need to calm down first and tell me what the problem is. Here's the coffee. Thanks. Drink this, Tony, and slowly. (coughs) Slow, Tony. I said slow. (coughs) Better? Uh, a little. Try some deep breathing. All right. Mom! It can't hurt. Are you feeling better now? I think so. Now you said you were in big trouble. The biggest! We're going to help you, I promise. Bless you. Bless all of you. What's the problem? He's gonna kill me. Who is? The big guy. He had a long raincoat and a big gun. Jim, he's gonna kill me! Antonio Pinelli is a little man who is currently very scared. He emigrated to the United States in 1965, and now, in the winter of 1973, he has been working as a tailor in the men's department of Fergus Clothing Store in downtown Boston for more than five years. Today has been a red-letter day for Antonio, one he won't soon forget. We'll learn why he's so frightened and why he needs Jim's help when we return with tonight's Jim Nolan Private Eye episode, The Brave Taylor. Are you all right now, Mr. Pinelli? I think so. You said someone was going to kill you? That's right, Mrs. Gladys. Who? How did this start? If we're going to help you, we need to know everything. Well, it all began yesterday when Mr. Fergus called me into his office. Sit down, Antonio. Will this take long, Mr. Fergus? Why do you ask? It's almost two, and I have to finish Mr. Drake's suit. He'll be in around four, and you know how he gets if his tailoring isn't ready on time. Please sit down. Yes, sir. This is very difficult for me to say. I'm going to have to let you go. Go? Where? You... you don't understand. 
You're not going to work here anymore. Not to work? Did I do something wrong? Certainly not. You've been an exemplary employee, absolutely wonderful. You're the best tailor we've ever had. Why, anyone would be lucky to have you work for him. Then I'll stay here and make you lucky. I'm afraid it's not that simple. It has to do with overhead and profit margins and things like that. I don't know anything about overhead, sir. But if you're not happy with my work... No, no, your work is fine. Wonderful. As a matter of fact, I've written you this letter of recommendation. Here, take it. It's very nice. Thank you. It's not you, Antonio. It's just that Mr. Adams and I have decided that the store can't afford to keep a tailor on staff any longer. No tailor? What will people do? They need their jackets altered, their their pants hemmed. They can take the clothes they buy here to a private tailor. There are several around town. That might be something you'd like to do. Open your own shop. <sighs> I don't have the money for that, sir. My Rosa and I live in a little apartment on Center Street. I don't have enough money to open my own shop. I'm sorry. Truly, I am. I'd better go finish Mr. Drake's suit. I'd appreciate that. It will be done when he comes for it. Thank you. You can go home after Mr. Drake leaves. But the store will still be open, Mr. Fergus. I'll go home when we close. It's fine with me if you leave a little early today. No, thank you. In all of my years here, I've never left early. I'm not going to start now. I'll leave at five when we close. Your work ethic is admirable. Gather your things before you leave and come see me in my office. I'll have your final paycheck and some severance for you. Severance? What's that? It's some extra money. Did I earn it? Well, no. Not really. Then I shouldn't take it. I want you to have it. It's a, a gift. If it's a gift, I suppose it's okay. Thank you, Mr. Fergus. You're welcome. It will help tide you and your wife over until you find a new job. And how do I do that? Go down to the unemployment office tomorrow. They'll help you. I don't know where it is. I'll have their address for you by the end of the day. You go and see them tomorrow and bring the letter I gave you. And they'll help me find a new tailor job? They'll help you find a new job. It might not be as a tailor. But that's what I do, sir. I'm a tailor. My father taught me back in Italy, and his father taught him. Every morning, I get up and I go to work. Where will I go to work tomorrow? You won't be going to work tomorrow. There might be an open tailor job in town. I'm, I'm not sure. You'll have to ask the people at the unemployment office. They open at 9 o'clock. Get there early, if possible. Yes, sir. I'm, I'm sorry about this, Antonio. Me too, Mr. Fergus. Me too. So, at five, I went to see Mr. Fergus. I had packed my few things into a box. He gave me my paycheck, that severance thing, and the address of the unemployment office. Everyone in the store was very nice. All the men shook my hand and said how much they'd miss me. Gina, in bookkeeping, even kissed me on the cheek. Then I went home to Rosa and told her. How did she take it? She was scared. I kept telling her that Mr. Fergus seemed pretty sure I'd find a new job. Did you go to the unemployment office this morning? I did. I spoke with a big woman named Mrs. Kenny. She was very nice. 
Was there an opening for a tailor somewhere? Yes. She told me to go to Norm's Cleaners on Cherry Street. So I brought Mr. Fergus's letter with me and went right over. The second I walked in, I knew there was something really wrong. What was it, Tony? They were all... all dead. Who were? All the people in the store. I think there were four of them. I was too scared to count. Shot? Yes. They were all dead. Hunched over the counter and lying on the floor. A lot of the cleaning had been ripped off the hangers. Sounds like some muscle was looking for something. What did you do? I tried to turn and run. But I was scared, and my feet wouldn't budge. Not an inch. I started to sweat. That's when I saw him. The man with the gun? Yes, a big, big gun. Can you describe him? You mentioned the raincoat. Yes, a gray raincoat. Probably a 44 long. It went down to his knees. And he was wearing a fedora. A gray one with a black band. Could you guess how old he was? Did you see his hair, his face? Sorry, no. I was too nervous. He came out of the back of the store, and he saw me. I'm sure he did. And then? My feet started working again. I ran. And I ran. I ran all the way here. Did you tell the police? No. I don't know the police, Jean. I know you. I knew you'd help me. I don't think I've ever been so scared. Tony, we're going to have to tell the police about this. They may already know. I've got a good friend of the force. Lieutenant Walter Carmichael. How about you and I go down to the station? No, Jim. No. But Tony... I'm safe here. The man with the gun won't find me here. I'm not leaving. Would Walter come here? He might. I guess it's worth a try. I'm not a doctor, Jim. I don't make house calls. It's not my house, Lieutenant. It's my office. Same deal. You know I wouldn't ask you to do this under normal circumstances, but I've got a very frightened man in my office who's refusing to leave. He only feels safe here. He was at the cleaners not long after the shootings. He might have some valuable information. I've already got my men down there coming to place. Then they can spare you for a bit. If anything comes up, they can call here. Well... Please. Did you just say please? I did. Then this must really be important to you. Okay. Buy me a beer sometime. You know it. I'll be there within the hour. It sounds like your men arrived at the cleaners not long after Antonio left. The man he described was gone by then. Could you tell me anything more about him, Mr. Pinelli? I'm afraid not, Lieutenant. I didn't get that good of a look at him. I was too scared. I only wanted to get out of there. I don't blame you one bit. What have you learned about the people who were killed? We found four bodies. My guys are gathering the bullet casings for lab analysis. As far as we know, all the victims were employees. Do you think it was a robbery? No. The till was unopened, and all the employees still had cash on them. The man must have been looking for something. That's what we're thinking. Mr. Pinelli, could you come down to the station and look at some mug shots? No, no, I can't leave here. Mr. Nolan's keeping me safe. I'll come with you, Tony. 
You'll be safe at the police station. Nolan Investigations, may I help you? Yes, he's here. Just a minute. Walter, it's Officer McMillan for you. Thanks. Yes, McMillan? You did? That's great news. Is she hurt? I'll be right there. News? My guys found another employee. A young lady hiding behind some machinery in the back of the shop. Is she hurt? She's unharmed, but very shaken up. I've got to get down there. Are you coming, Jim? I sure am. How about you, Tony? I... I don't know if I could go back to that place. You'll be safe, I promise. I'll stay with you the whole time. Is it okay with you, Lieutenant, if he comes along? Fine with me. Tony? All right. As long as you're there, I'll be safe. Antonio and I got into Carmichael's car, and the three of us drove to Norm's Cleaners on Cherry Street. The place had been cordoned off to the public, and the inside was brimming with police officers. The four bodies had been removed, though you could tell where they'd been from the bloodstains and chalk outlines. Lots of previously cleaned and pressed clothing lay on the floor behind the counter. Carmichael found Officer Macmillan and walked over to him. Antonio and I followed. In the middle of a circle of police officers, a young lady, who I was to learn was named Betsy Kelly, sat nervously on a wooden chair, shakily holding a glass of water. She looked to be about 22 years old. She was thin and still trembling from her experience. Her makeup was smeared from her tears, and she had pulled her long black hair back into a loose ponytail. She wore a flowered sundress. Miss Kelly, I'm Lieutenant Carmichael. How are you feeling? I'll be all right. Are you well enough to tell me what happened here today? I guess so. I was in the back putting away some supplies when I heard someone come in. Did you see who it was? No, I didn't bother to look. I was busy and people come in and out of here all the time. I didn't expect any trouble. <laughs> May I, Lieutenant? Miss Kelly, this is Jim Nolan. He's a private investigator and he's helping us out on this case. Would you mind answering some of his questions? If it'll help. Thank you. You said you didn't see the man who walked in? Not at that time, no. Could you hear him from where you were? I could. He had a very deep voice. It really carried. Any accent? None. Did you hear the conversation among the man and the other employees? Some of it. He said he wanted to pick up some cleaning. He must have presented Mr. Baker. He's a manager. Was the manager. He's dead now, isn't he, Lieutenant? I'm afraid so. <laughs> the man with the deep voice must have given Mr. Baker a pickup slip. I heard him looking through the racks to find the order. You know that sound hangers make on a metal rack? Yes. Suddenly, Mr. Baker realized that the man was in the wrong store. The wrong store? It happens pretty frequently. For number 217. Cliff's Cleaners is up the street at number 271. Sometimes the customers get confused and go to the wrong cleaners. We're always sending people to them, and they're always sending people to us. Macmillan, get some men up to the other cleaners. See if things are in order. That sounds confusing. It is. We just had some new slips made up. They're blue instead of white, so we'd be able to tell right away which slips are ours. 
We were going to start using them as soon as we finished up the supply of the white ones. So this man had come to the wrong cleaners. That's what Mr. Baker told him. The man refused to believe it. He kept on asking for his cleaning, no matter how many times Mr. Baker tried to explain that he was in the wrong store. The man started yelling something about trying to keep his cut from him, and they were being mean to him, just like everyone else. That's... <laughs> That's when I heard the gunshots. Four gunshots. What did you do? I... I was so scared. I hid behind some pressing machinery, and I prayed. Did I do the right thing, Lieutenant? It was all you could do. He would have killed you, too. I could see a tiny bit of what was happening from where I was hiding. I didn't want to look, but I couldn't help myself. Can you describe the gunman? I could only see him a little from my hiding spot. He had on a fedora and a gray raincoat. Just like I said, Jim. Just like I said. The same man. What was he doing? He went behind the counter and started going through the racks, looking for the cleaning that Mr. Baker had already told him wasn't there. After a little while... It seemed like hours. He got upset and started ripping some of the cleaning off the racks and throwing it to the floor. Then I heard the door open. That must have been when you showed up, Mr. Pinelli. He went to see who it was. Then he ran out the back door. I... I was afraid to come out, even after the officers arrived. Thank you, Miss Kelly. Lieutenant, would it be okay if I went home now? I could use a rest. Certainly. Thanks for your cooperation. One of my officers will give you a lift. I'd like him to stay with you for a while. Okay. Go with her, Whitburn. Lieutenant, did your men find the pickup slip the gunman brought with him? The one from Cliff's Cleaners up the street? They did. Keep it in the plastic bag for the lab boys, will ya? It might have fingerprints. I'll be back. Tony, how does a place like this lay out the cleaning orders? Most do it by order number. Give me a hand, will you? Let's see what the man with the deep voice thought he was getting. This is receipt number 617. Let's see. Here's 300... 400, 600, here it is, 617. It's still here. Jim, what are you looking for? It's not here. What isn't? Number 671. I thought you said he was looking for number 617. I did. Jim, you still here? Back here! That was McMillan. Everything is fine up the street at Cliff's. No sign of trouble. Thank heaven. I'm going to keep an officer there for a while, in case anything develops. McMillan is bringing the cleaning order back from the other store. Here's the evidence bag. You look like you have an idea. I'm not sure. I have to check it out. I'll let you know. Coming, Tony? It sounds like he might have dyslexia. What's that? It's a learning disorder that makes it difficult for people to read. They tend to reverse or jumble letters and words. For instance, a person with dyslexia might read God instead of dog. 
Could he also jumble numbers, reading 671 for 617? I suppose so. It only follows. What don't you know, Mom? I read a lot when Albert was away. I know a little bit about a lot of things. It does look like dyslexia. First he reverses the numbers in the address and winds up with the wrong cleaners. Then he reverses the numbers on the pickup slip and looks for the wrong cleaning order. If the gunman you're looking for does have dyslexia, how does that help you find him? I'm not sure yet. Oh no! What, Tony? I don't have it anymore. I must have dropped it. Maybe at the cleaners. What did you drop? The letter. The one Mr. Fergus wrote for me. The recommendation? Yes, my whole name is on there. Antonio Pinelli. If that man in the raincoat found it, it won't take him long to look in the phone book and find out where I live. I mean, how many Antonio Pinellis can there be in Boston? Are you sure you lost it at the crime scene? I don't know. Maybe. If I did... Rosa, oh no! Call her. If anything's happened to my Rosa, I'll never forgive. Come on, Rosa. Answer. Please. She must be in trouble. She always answers after a couple rings. Let's get over there. Mom, call Lieutenant Carmichael and tell him the gunman might be at Tony's place. 325 Center Street, Apartment B. Right away. And tell him to bring the real cleaning with him. The cleaning? If the gunman is at Tony's apartment, whatever he's looking for is in that cleaning. You were right, Jim. He's in there? Yes, and he has Mrs. Pinelli hostage. Rosa! Rosa, I'm coming! No, Tony. That man with the gun has my wife. I have to save her. That's precisely why you shouldn't go. What use will you be to Rosa if he shoots you? He's right. I can't leave her there. I'm trying to get your wife out, but safely. We'll figure out a plan. He doesn't want your wife. He wants the darn cleaning for some reason. I've already been talking with him. Talking? Did you get his name? Yeah. Gavin Bishop. All we know so far is that he was recently released from Stir after doing some time for a convenience store robbery. He was pretty small time until this morning's shootings. Can I talk to him? Give it a try. Bishop! This is Lieutenant Carmichael. What do you want? There's someone here I want you to talk to. I don't take orders anymore. I ain't in stir. His name is Jim Nolan. I think he can help you. Bishop, is Mrs. Pinelli okay? She's fine. For now. <laughs> that little punk. Let me... We know you don't want to hurt her. We know what you're looking for. What's that, smart guy? You want the cleaning you were looking for. We have it here. No dice. I already went to get it. And it wasn't there. Those people at the store made fun of me. Is that why you shot them? After all that time in the joint with the other cons razzing me, I couldn't take any more kidding. Bishop, you went to the wrong cleaners. That's what the man at the store told me. I didn't believe him. Why should I believe you? Because I know what's wrong with you. I think you may have a reading problem called dyslexia. Are you going to try and help me like the prison shrink? Or make fun of me like the other con. Listen to me. 
You went to the wrong store because you read the street address on the pickup slip incorrectly. I swear, we have the cleaning you're looking for. Well, describe it. Tell me what's on the hangers. There's two pairs of men's pants. One black, one blue, a white dress shirt, and an overcoat. Wool, I think. How did you get those things? I told you, you went to the wrong cleaners. You can have all the clothes if you let Mrs. Pinelli go. I don't believe you. The cops wouldn't let me go so easy. Talk to him, Carmichael. Arrange a trade. Bishop, this is Lieutenant Carmichael again. I'm willing to make the trade. What are your terms? Put the clothes in the back seat of my car. The blue Buick with the Rhode Island plates. And start the engine. There's a spare ignition key in the glove compartment. I'll come out with the old lady after you do that. And I'll have my gun on her the whole time. So don't try anything. We won't. When do we get her back? I'm gonna get in the driver's seat. Nice and easy. The old lady will be on the sidewalk. I'll have my gun trained on her until I pull away. I can shoot her right through the window if I want to. So don't try anything. When I'm gone, she's all yours. Carmichael agreed to the terms. One of his men put the cleaning in the back seat of the Buick and started the car. Bishop walked out of the apartment. He was still wearing the raincoat and fedora that Tony and Betsy Kelly had described. A very frightened Rosa Pinelli, a gun at her head, shuffled in front of him. His hand was clutching her bare arm. Antonio made a move to intervene, but Carmichael and I stopped him. Bishop walked Mrs. Pinelli to the Buick, peeked in the back seat, and smiled at the side of the cleaning. He opened the driver's door, and keeping the gun trained on Mrs. Pinelli, rolled down the window. He carefully climbed into the car and shut the door. His gun hand never swayed from his hostage. Finally, he peeled away. Carmichael's men laid down some gunfire, bursting the car's back tires. With the back tires gone, Bishop was unable to control the car. It spun wildly before hitting a mailbox and stopping. Carmichael and his men pulled a startled Bishop from the vehicle and had him restrained before he knew what was happening. Antonio and Rosa didn't see any of this. They were too busy hugging each other. Thank you, Lieutenant, from both of us. You're welcome. I'm sorry the two of you had to go through this. By the way, Here's your letter of recommendation from your old boss. Bishop had it on him. What are you going to do with those clothes? Maybe the lab boys can figure out why Bishop was so keen to get them. I'll let them have a gander. May I see them, Lieutenant? Sure. Here you are. Hmm. Nice pants. Well made. The shirt, too. And look at this top coat. That's an expensive brand. Mr. Fergus sells these. I've tailored some in... Wait a minute. What's these? What's what? There's some really bad tailoring right here on the lining. These company wouldn't do that. They take pride in their work. Gene, it feels like there's something in there. Inside the coat? Yes. There's a small rip in the stitching. May I open it up some more? Please do. Now, I deepen my hand inside. Oh my! 
Look at them all! Diamonds! Lots of them! That explains why Bishop wanted the coat. I read about some diamond thefts in Rhode Island recently. Bishop's car had a Rhode Island plate. I'll bet you these are those diamonds. Excellent work, Mr. Pinelli. Thank you. You're welcome. Have you ever thought about a career in law enforcement? <laughs> I'm glad I could help, but I'm a tailor. That's what I do. May Rosa and I go home now? Certainly. We'll be leaving soon. Are you going back to the unemployment office, Tony? Soon, Jim, but not today. And probably not tomorrow either. Some things in life, some people in life, are more important than anything else. There'll be a job for me when I choose to look again. Right now, a job isn't my top priority. The lieutenant is going to work with the Rhode Island authorities to find the big boys behind the diamond thefts. Bishop was only a little guy in this. Why hide the diamonds at a cleaner's? Why not a cleaner's? The thieves had to let the stones cool off somewhere. Diamonds are so hard, no cleaning could hurt them. Also, haven't you ever forgotten to fetch some cleaning? Sure I have. When you finally remembered, maybe weeks later, it was still there, right? I've never known cleaners to throw anything out. The thieves bought safe rent for the diamonds for the price of a pickup slip. I'm glad it ended so well. You should have seen Antonio and Rosa, Mom, like two newlyweds. Ah, that's nice. Do you think he'll find a new job? When he's ready. I know that he'll always be my tailor. After you left, I was thinking about the brave little tailor. I must have read it a dozen times. The brave little tailor? Yes. It's one of Grimm's fairy tales. Mickey Mouse? Uh, Mickey Mouse? That's where I know the title from. Didn't Disney make it into a cartoon back in the 30s? I think he did, but I was talking about the... Yeah, that's where I know it from. Walt Disney. <sighs> Jim, Jim, Jim. What's wrong? Why am I not surprised that you saw the movie and didn't read the story? Why, Jim? Why? Our special thanks to our regular cast members, Russell Gold as Jim Nolan, Joyce Bender as Gladys Nolan, Brian Bedard as Lieutenant Walter Carmichael, Tracy Hall as Trudy Williams, and Katie Daynert as the narrator. And to our guest stars, Gary Cobham as Antonio Pinelli, Mike Murphy as Mr. Fergus, April Sadowski as Betsy Kelly, and Greg Wilkinson as Gavin Bishop. The Brave Taylor was written by Mike Murphy. Music for the series was composed and performed by Vivian Dosco. Please hear more of her wonderful music at myspace.com slash Vivian Dosco. That's V-I-V-I-A-N-D-O-S-K-O-W. Producer, Captain John Tadrzak. 
Jim Nolan Private Eye was created by Mike Murphy and Arlene Osborne. Assistant producer Mike Murphy. Post production James Smigata. Editor Arlene Osborne. Webmaster April Sadowski. We would also like to thank Captain John Tadrazak of Misfits Audio for airing this show. Mike Murphy, the author of this story, gratefully acknowledges the continued help of Arlene Osborne in the betterment of his scripts. This production is for enjoyment purposes only. I'm your narrator, Katie Daynard. This is an original production by Misfits Audio, copyright 2009.